condition. So my fervent prayer is that I don't blow the speakers out. Amen? Amen. I asked permission this morning to sing my testimony before I preach um, because you'll see how it ties into the uh, sermon. And that's not to uh, say that I'm not grateful for the worship team. Amen. They did a fantastic job. But unfortunately, the worship team have not been in some of the fixes that I've been in, some of the situations. So every now and then you ought to sing your own song. Amen, somebody. Okay, if you don't remember anything else about me, if I don't get a response, I'll just stay there till you say hello, acknowledge me. Amen. That's how we get out of here on time. So just a little hymn from the church to kind of get you in the orientation of the gospel to today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amazing grace will always be my song of praise for it was grace that bought my liberty I do not know why Jesus came to love me so he looked beyond my faults and saw my need. Amazing grace will always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know why Jesus came to love me so. But he looked beyond my faults and so my need. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary and view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous this grace that caught my fallen soul. He looked beyond my faults and saw my Somebody give God some praise this morning. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
I don't know how many of you were present the last time I preached, but I preached from a stool. I was at death's door, but I want to report this morning that Jesus can still make death behave. That ought to be good news for somebody, that we may be down, but we're not out. Amen? That we are more than conquerors in this Christ who loves us. And somebody needs to be enthusiastic in their appreciation for what God has done. Amen. Amen. The text under consideration this morning is found in Acts chapter 20, and our particular focus will be on verses 28 through 38. And I want to pull that up on the slide so that you can read it along with me. I just believe that you need to read the scripture for yourself. You never know there are unscrupulous personalities in the pulpit on occasion that'll try to slip in an agenda. And I just believe we ought to be able to read the word for ourselves. It's accessible. And then we ought to be able to discern the truth of God's word because we have a Holy Spirit who brings us into the knowledge of God's divine truth. Reading out of the NIV and starting in verse 28, Paul says these words to the church at Ephesus upon his departure. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was that his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. And this morning, the sermon is simply titled, Keeping Watch. Keeping Watch. Being on guard. Church, are you aware that we have an enemy whose sole purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy? One thing you can say about Satan is he is faithful in his mission to undermine the church, to wreak havoc in the community of faith, and to promote enmity between believers. Anybody know that that ought not be our description that we are to be loving and mature and growing together in unity in the faith. 
But again, we're not always faithful. Amen. We get tired and we get irritated. We, we get burned out and we get used up. And it's difficult sometimes to give the gospel our full attention. But Paul is reminding this church as he prepares to leave them that they've got to be vigilant and sober, that they've got to realize that the church is under attack. I love Paul's farewell because Paul wasn't always in the faith. When he was a, 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 a Pharisee, he, he, he was grumbling threats to the early church. They didn't conform to his idea of what religion ought to look like. But, but Paul had a Damascus Road experience where the Lord intervened and corrected his theology, where he straightened some stuff out for Paul and caused him to understand that what he had been doing was under the law. But in Christ Jesus, there was not the, the absence of the law, but fulfillment of the law, and now an ability to keep the rules and the regulations. And as an elder statement of the gospel, he has some essential things to say not only to the church of then, but also to the church of now. As an older man myself, I identify with Paul because I came late to the faith. I, I had to work through some stuff. It took me 35 years to get my stuff together, and even in that, all I did was make a decision. The gospel essential is that I can't please God without God's help. Oh, somebody need to hear that this morning. If you're trying to walk the walk without having a relationship with Jesus, you're already undone. If you're trying to straighten it out, there's some things that only God can straighten out. Amen? If I'd have died in my place, I'd have been lost forevermore. But a sinless God comes in human flesh and dies in my place. Jesus never smoked crack, but he, smoked, he died for the crackhead. God, God never drank alcohol to excess, but he died for the alcoholic. Nowhere in scripture is it recorded that Jesus slept around, but he died for those that slept around. And somebody this morning ought to be immensely grateful that what you couldn't do for yourself, God took it upon himself to deliver you out of your circumstance and your situation. You ought to be thankful this morning and give him a thank you, Jesus, right now. I got time to wait on you. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought me out of darkness into your marvelous light. Paul said, don't get it twisted. Don't be sideways about this gospel. The great news of the gospel doesn't start out well for us. This is how the Bible describes our condition. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. What? I come here in sin before I even make my first thought, God says, you're already in bad shape. And as you grow and develop under the tutelage of your parents and your grandparents and others in your life, you still got a wild streak in you. Oh, y'all ain't going to admit it this morning, but that's why I started out with my testimony. It took me 35 years to come around to what God was trying to get me to accept at a very early age. And he had to wait till I, till I experienced some things. 
I had to hit the concrete of the curb to realize I needed deliverance. I had to be strung out. I had to be burnt out. I had to be worn out before I could come around. Anybody ever heard the adage that a hard head makes for a soft behind? I had to have a soft behind before Jesus was all done with me. Wasn't always reverend, wasn't always doctor. I was a rich undone is how the scriptures describes me. I once was lost in sin until Jesus took me in. That's another good place for a thank you, Jesus. And so the essential of the gospel tells me I was in bad shape. But then Jesus decides. John says that the word is with God and the word was God. And then the word becomes flesh and dwells among us so that we can behold his glory. Jesus leaves the throne room of heaven and comes down and rubs elbows with us unwashed and unclean folks and draws us to himself with love and not a stick. Whew, I'm so great, grateful because I had a beating coming. But rather than beat me down, Jesus lifted me up. Thank you, Jesus, all by myself. Thank you for bringing me out of the miry clay and putting my feet on the king's highway. And this is what Paul says, I've shared with you in Ephesus for the last three years, that you were in bad shape. But Jesus made salvation available. Work through it with me. In verse 28, it says that there is gravity to the gospel. There's a lot at stake if we don't get this right. To be absent from the gospel is to cut yourself off from the eternal fellowship that God desires to have with you. Jesus says it like this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me paraphrase that. Apart from him, you can't be anything. Amen. The only thing right in your life is the Christ that lives in you. Your flesh is constantly trying to work it out some other way. We don't want to be grateful by nature. We, we don't want to thank God for everything that he's done. Because we're rugged individualists. We've got this Western mindset that we can fix it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's some stuff you can't fix. Woo, Jesus, help me. There, there's some stuff you can't work out. I don't care how much life and time he gives you, there's some stuff only Jesus can do. Paul starts out by saying there's gravity to this gospel. You've been trusted. Look, 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 read it for yourself. Keep watch over who first? Yourself. Before you get in your neighbor's business, you might want to check yourself. Old rap song say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Woo! But we so busy running around telling Kevin you ought not and, and, and Josh you ought not. When, when it starts with Royce, you ought not. And then... Then when God starts to purpose and transform you, you become a witness. You have responsibility to demonstrate for others. Paul says, I, I didn't keep it a secret. 
I was humble and I was transparent. I shared with you who I used to be so that you could identify with your condition and your situation. And now as an apostle, I wasn't always an apostle, but now I live a life of witness and responsibility so that others might observe my behavior and inquire, what must I do to be saved? That's it. I, I can't be reverend just on Sunday morning. I got to be reverend at the Speedway. I got to be a believer in the Myers store. I got to be a believer when people cut me off in traffic. Boy, do I struggle when people cut me off in traffic. It's not always amazing grace that want to come out of my mouth. But I'm thankful for a Holy Spirit that'll keep my mouth shut till amazing grace is the response. I'm trying to share with you what you're up against. You have an enemy who wants to cause you to slip. But the psalm writer says that I will look to the hills from whence cometh my help because my help comes from the Lord. And this is what he does. He that kept Israel will not suffer my feet to be moved. He will not let me slip if I keep my trust and my faith in him. And I got to be reminded of that every morning. I got to wake up every morning and say, you know you're a drug addict. And the fact that you enjoy sobriety is because of the Christ that lives in you. I wake up acknowledging that my normal state, my physical state, is something other than what God wants in my life. And once I make that acknowledgement, I drop to my knees and I praise him that he insisted that I change my ways. I love that about God. That he just won't leave me alone with some stuff. I think it's a good idea, idea, but the Lord will say, not so in the life of Royce Evans. Why, Lord? Because people are watching you, and the gravity of the gospel is at stake if I let you have your own way. But then he moves from the gravity of the gospel and reminds us that there is grief. That the People, people aren't always joyful when you share that, that they're not living the right life. Parents, parents, when you tell your children the right thing, they ain't always just jumping up and down. Because on occasion, you got to tell them no, don't you? You got to tell them no because you're more experienced. You're more seasoned. You, you've lived more life than they've lived. And, and they give you that sideways glance. Sometimes they may even mumble a few words, okay? And you have to be patient and loving with them. But you still have to say no. You still have to give them benefit of your counsel and your wisdom. And so it is with believers and sometimes with other believers. We've got new believers right in our midst and older believers. And sometimes we've got to step to them and go, that's not an appropriate behavior for worship. You're not, dressed, you're not dressed appropriately for worship. Sometimes we got to say some things that people don't want to hear on occasion. But we're not relieved of the responsibility because they don't want to hear it. We, ne we need to learn how to lean in even more and how to lean in with love. Okay? I don't, I don't go reading Kevin's inventory. 
I, I share with him through my experience and try to model and demonstrate for him as an older believer what life ought to look like and then be available for his questions. But Paul's saying that, 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 that there's grief. Not everybody, I, I, I've heard him, here comes that Bible thumper again. He, here he is, all he wants to talk about is Jesus. Well, yeah, and he, he wants to pray for me. Get, I remember when I worked construction. How many of you know that's a hellish environment? Woo! Woo. And, and, and it's hard to be a believer on a construction site. It's hard. And, 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 and they want to play rock music and heavy metal and all kind of stuff just making the walls vibrate. And I got to sing Amazing Grace in the choir. Somebody got to go in a porta potty and just sit there for a minute, me and the Lord have a moment so I can go out among them godless heathens and demonstrate for them what the Lord would have me do. Why, why are you praying over your food like that? I'm grateful for it. I remember a time when I couldn't eat. Everything was spent on drugs. But now I can have a lunch. Hmm? Modeling, demonstrating, but it comes with grief. The description of Jesus, he's a man, what, familiar with sorrow and acquainted with grief. Did I flip that around? You know what I'm trying to say. But, but, but Jesus is dealing with people that's not always happy to see him. The Sadducees aren't happy to see Jesus. The Pharisees aren't happy. Where's your Bible, Jesus? And Jesus said, I am your Bible. That, that blows people's mind right there. Where, where's your word, Jesus? I am the word. And then Paul goes and tells you, he says, he says, I know that after I leave, not I'm guessing, but he's talking about the inevitability. Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So, some people come to church just to tear stuff up. Yeah, they do. You, you probably seen them on occasion. They, they want to give you they, their, their criticisms from the back of the room. They, they want to have sidebar conversations. Okay? Not everybody in the church today is about the right thing. Paul, Paul, says, Paul says that not only is there a threat from outside the church, savage wolves will come in. He said, but even from your own number. What? Yep, two pews over and to the left. Now, don't nobody count, but, 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 but again, Satan is faithful in his attendance. He's got demons and imps, you know, all of a sudden, it's not always the Holy Ghost that got people filled at worship. Some people come here full of the devil and trying to get some more. But we as a body of believers have to band together and shut the devil out. And when we identify that, that threat, we've got to move to shut it down, which moves us into our next place. We've got to constantly be on guard. He says it again. So be on your guard, verse 31. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. I preached this thing so hard to you that it brought me to tears that some people wouldn't accept the invitation. It ought to grieve us that despite our best efforts, some people will continue to resist the gospel 
As parents, we ought to be grieved when our children don't embrace relationship. Sometimes not parents, sometimes as grandparents, we got to pray not only for our grandchildren, but for their parents. We've got to constantly be on guard, relentlessly encouraging them to relationship with Jesus Christ. But how many of you know it's not just a family affair? That my neighbors need to see Christ in me. Not just on my bumper sticker, but in my interactions with them. When they vex me and irritate me, I got to try to find a smile in one of my pockets. Get that bad boy on and say, hey, how you doing today? By the way, by the way, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Be on guard and remember, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day. Here's why, verse 32. Okay. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. There is grace in the gospel. God gives it freely. Okay. Paul makes it very plain that he didn't work to get the gospel. Matter of fact, he, he took deliberate intention to make sure that people were, uh, weren't trying to bootleg him. The gospel is not for sale. It's graciously given by God so that all might partake. I often wonder what my sin bill would have looked like if, if God would have put a dollar amount on what I owed him. I, I, I'd probably have to have Elon Musk level money. And that still wouldn't get me out of the hole, okay? I, I, I need CPAC money. And I still be wanting because the only sin debt satisfaction is the life of a holy God. Think about that. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's grace. He gave his only begotten son. That when he dies, whosoever believeth in him shall have eternal life. Okay. The other thing that I want to make sure that we understand is wherever God sends us, he has already made provision. Hallelujah. You're not without resource. If God sends you on a mission, he's already wired you for the mission. The Bible says that I am ordained in my mother's womb. I come here with a spiritual imprint on my life to function in service to God. Well, what happens? Well, the sin thing is in the way. And so I've got to get that removed. I, I, I lament that I didn't come to Christ earlier. But better late than never. Better late than never. That is the grace. And, and what does it look like? It builds me up. It secures for me an inheritance, not only just for me, but everybody who's sanctified. This, one, this relationship with God is not just a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's, it's supposed to be encouraged and enjoyed by all believers. And then the grace and the gift. Paul makes it plain that the gospel is not for sale. It is the, it is the gift. Of God. And then the scriptures 36 through 38, as I'm shutting it down, 
It says that when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And look, look at this. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. They all, they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. This is the galvanizing power of the gospel, that we're supposed to be knit together as a body of believers. You've ever heard it say that, that we stand shoulder to shoulder so that one would not fall in our midst and the body wouldn't be aware of that? We're supposed to be invested in each other's lives, not to be judgmental or critical, but available to become part of the solution in my neighbor's problem. My neighbor don't have a job and I got work. Problem ought to be solved. My neighbor's living in the street and, and I'm living in a comfortable house. I may not be able to pay all the rent, but I bet if we all got together, we could pay some rent. There ought not be anybody in the body of faith. Remember in Acts chapter 2, when they constitute the church, they had all things in common. Not just their good, but their issues. Okay? 51 one another's in the New Testament. Love ye one another. Encourage one another. Pray ye for one another. And the list goes on and on. It's just not me and God. It's us and God. It's us. And God. And so the whole purpose of the gospel is to bring us together as a body of believers so that we can continue to build one another up. Amen? You ought not get mad if somebody points out to you that you have a fault or a shortcoming. Be appreciative that somebody noticed that you might need a little assistance, a little attitude correction, a little behavior modification. Now, if they're not doing it lovingly, that's a problem, but we'll have to help them work that out. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? Okay. But we need to be committed to the gospel. It's the thing that brings us together. Because remember, the outcome of the gospel is that we enjoy eternal fellowship and communion with the God of our salvation. So I want to say to you, if you're here today, and you know not Christ in the pardon of your sins, today, Sunday, August the 7th, is a good day to have your spiritual birthday. You might have came here all sideways and outside the will of God, but guess what? He can fix it right now. Somebody should have said hallelujah right there. Somebody should have said thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to wait till Wednesday. I don't have to make an appointment with the Holy Ghost and see can he fit me in. He's telling you right now, right here in this place, like the Jackson 5, he wants you back. And I don't know about you, I look at my sin resume, it's pretty extensive. It's pretty jacked up. And the devil would keep you in your shame and guilt when God is waiting with open arms to accept you back. Yeah, you, you might have made a few blunders, but God's, God's response to blunder is wonder. Ooh, I love that. That, that. that when I was mistaken, God didn't leave me forsaken. Oh, somebody ought to understand what I'm putting down this morning. 
that God right now wants to love you past your fault, past your condition, and bring you into his fellowship. And if that's your condition this morning, I want to extend an invitation to you that the gospel is for you right now. I won't embarrass you because the devil uses that as a trick. Don't go up there and let all them people see that you sinful. Every one of us, I told you all, had sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you don't want to come up here, I'm just going to ask everybody to stand. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? Amen. You, you didn't come here on your own. The Lord did that for you. And I'm going to ask every head to bow, all eyes closed. And if you're a sinner, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and pray the prayer of salvation. The Bible says it like this. If you will confess with your mouth, what? That I'm a sinner and that I'm in need of a Savior. And then believe in your heart that God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Guess what? You shall be saved. Not you might be saved. You shall be saved. If you've prayed that prayer today, you're saved. Welcome, brother. Welcome, sister. Welcome to the gospel. And welcome to the body of believers. Amen.